welcome to the Empower Church podcast. My name is Matt Garner, and I'm the pastor at Empower Church here in Melbourne, Australia. We're so glad you've joined us today, and I am believing that today's message is not only going to inspire you and encourage you, but it's going to empower, equip, and challenge you to be everything that God has called you to be. Hey, if you want more information about what we're up to at Empower Church, just jump on our website, empowerchurch.co, and all the details are there. We really hope that you enjoy the message. You ready for this? You ready for this? Are you ready for this? Very good. Want to make sure you're ready for this. We see our Sunday mornings for those of you that are new or visiting or um, we really position our Sunday mornings for, um, I suppose, our church community. We, um, the different, uh, over the last 25 years of my church Sunday experience, I've uh, been a part where we've, of different church communities where we've tried to do everything on a Sunday morning. We've tried to do the evangelism. We've tried to do the community. We've tried to do the fellowship. We've tried to do everything we can just in the Sunday morning. And we endeavor to uh, do what we can, but we're also okay not to do everything that is an action or a behavior for the church to do just on Sunday morning. And so some, some people ask me every now and then, why don't we do salvation altar calls every week? And it, ask that if you dare, because generally my answer back to you is, is well, you're, you're a walking, talking church. So how many altar calls have you had this week? Anyway, I'm feeling, I'm feeling nasty today. <laughs> um, the point is, is we've got to stop worshipping the Sunday service as the be-all and the end-all of our Christian faith. Very, very important part. While we can gather, why would we not gather Make gathering like this a priority. Put it at the top of your list. Be here, be involved, be connected. Really be connected. Like if you're going to be a part of a church, not this church, any church community, you might as well go all in. You really might as well. You might as well connect. You might as well build relationships that are going to help bring about formation into the image of Jesus. You might as well. Because we ain't got time to just be attending church anymore. Because we've seen that, that what that doesn't do when we expected it to bring about a real transformation in us. And we've seen that just attendance doesn't do that. It's just one part of it. And so we boldly and openly would say from the front, we're not trying to build a big church. Not at all. We're having strategic conversations around what's too big not how do we get bigger. Why? Because our goal is discipling those that God brings in to this community to be discipled. That is the goal. Discipled into what? A church culture? No. Discipled into a style? No. Discipled into the image of Jesus. Acknowledging that the expression of that then is going to look very different for each of us because we're not the same. Someone say, praise God. praise God. We're not the same. Just look to your neighbor and say, I'm glad I'm not like you. <laughs> I'm heaps better. 
Before we do get started, um, I, I, I want to give a shout out to these books. You might want to grab them. We don't have a bookshop. <laughs> do you reckon we could fit one in the storeroom? Um, but um, just a few books that I'll be, um, a lot of my kind of research and stuff has come from today. This one's more like a theological type of, um, what's well, a biblical theology of prayer. It says it right there. And it takes you right from Genesis right through to Revelations on prayer. Every time prayer is mentioned, why, why it's there, all those sorts of things. It's called Calling on the Name of the Lord by um, J. Gary Miller. Shout out, Gaza. Um, and then this other one, which is a really, really awesome book. It's super practical. It's also deep at the same time. It's also quite thick. Um, practical and um, but really, really good teaching, Growing in Prayer by Mike Bickle. I want to encourage you, get it, jump online, you can get it Kindle, you can get it, do it. You probably can't get that first one because it's more of an academic read um, through um, without it being a, like a paperback or a hardback, but it's good. Let's talk about prayer. Everybody say prayer. We're going to go through some scriptures this morning. I've given Grace and Liv a big long list of um, of things and so hopefully we get through them. So Forgive me if you're wanting me to holler and scream and shout. Um, today, we're just going to lay a foundation. We're going to talk about the power and the importance of prayer. Let's start at the genesis of prayer. We're going to read in Genesis chapter 4 in just a moment. But before we get there, by way of introduction, I want to say this. The blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus has given every believer a passport. This is mine. It's a fresh one, actually. Good old COVID passport. He's given every believer a passport. A passport to enter a realm that's off limits to the general public. And it's not that people can't, uh, it's not an exclusive thing in the sense of you've got to be good or you've got to be this or you've got to be that. It's exclusive in the sense of only his sons and daughters are allowed. And if you're a son or a daughter of Jesus, then you have this passport. This passport gives you access into a place that is really important for us to understand. This passport gives us access. Now, you and I don't earn the passport. How do I get the passport? I get this Australian passport quite simply because I'm an Australian citizen. And it's the same in the context of the kingdom of God. You get this passport, so to speak, obviously it's a metaphor, but you get this access not because you deserved it or because you're well behaved or because your attendance was up on a Sunday, because you gave 11% tithes or whatever the thing was. You get this simply because you, because of the goodness of God and because God uh, made you right through the person of Jesus. And prayer is one of the ways in how we show or use our passport. Prayer is one of the ways in which we use this passport. Are you with me? You want to get through the, to the other side? Prayer is like a doorway into a realm with God that you and I as Christians must, must prioritise. 
I think a, a significant issue for all of us, and we all go in these seasons, don't we? We all have moments, we all have times where we're like really super spiritual and then we're less spiritual and then we're this and then we're that. And like the, the, point, the point that I want to make today is that uh, prayer is just a vital part of a Christian's life. As I said before, the disciples never asked, teach us how to preach. Like Jesus busts on the scene with this new dynamic way of bringing parables and he's like a farmer went out to do this and do that and the disciples are like thinking, oh, like give us, how are you getting this sort of revelation? We need to learn your communication techniques. Why you? Why did you go out on the boat? Why did you to, to preach? And You know, no, what, what did they say? They, they said, teach us how to pray. John Wesley once said, God does nothing but in answer to prayer. Prayer, it is a broad topic summarised into an overarching idea of our communion or our communication with God and God with us back. So prayer is like a pretty big umbrella word. At the retreat this week, we're going to talk about meditation. We're going to talk about silence in prayer. We're going to talk about praying in the Spirit. We're going to talk, in, talk about the combination of prayer, praise and worship. We're going to talk about prophetic prayer. We're going to talk about a whole lot of different things that we don't have time to go into detail right now. But as you can see, I want you to understand that prayer is a broader uh, kind of umbrella statement of our communication and our connectivity with God. The purpose, the place and the priority of prayer. Let's start with the purpose of prayer. Have you ever just stopped for a moment? Because pretty much in every culture, prayer exists. Every culture prayer exists. In most religions, every religion, there's some form of overarching prayer, even in the new age. There's a connectivity, there's things people do through a whole lot of different rituals and different bits and pieces where they're trying to connect with the spirit realm or some other enlightenment or Buddha or Muhammad or whatever the case might be. Prayer is found in a lot of places. Have you ever stopped and asked the question as a Bible-believing Christian, why do we pray? What's the importance of prayer? You know, curiosity is one of the greatest gifts that you can have in being a Christian. And the problem with this version of, like, of teaching is that it doesn't encourage curiosity right? It just encourages, it just encourages you to sit there and me to talk and it empowers me to be curious and go do all this. I'm preaching against myself right now, but I'm trying to help you to understand the culture by which we're trying to wean you off now from this thing where it's like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to come. I'm going to sit in church. Someone's going to tell me what I need to do. But have you ever just stopped and asked some really hard questions? Why do I attend Sundays? <laughs> Why aren't we connected in a small group? I mean, they're like 
actions. Why do I need to read my Bible? Why should I read my Bible? Why do we worship like Alicia was touching on this morning at the start of the service? Why do we worship and our wor- we've put worship in the box of just music? Why? Why pray? Why do we pray? And in order to answer that properly, we've got to go to Genesis chapter 4. We've got to go to the start of the Bible and we've got to look at what, what and how God set up prayer and communication with him. So let's read Genesis chapter 4, verses number 25, as we kind of look at the genesis of prayer. It says, this is going to be a bit random. I will say as a, as a quick disclaimer, there was, um, I'm going to talk about post-Eden. So after Eden, remember Adam and Eve sin, they get kicked out of the Garden of Eden. And so we're having a conversation now about post-Eden communication with God, all right? Could you say Adam and Eve were the first ones that prayed? Absolutely. Under the umbrella of communication with God, we know that there was regular, uh, that God would walk with them in the cool of the day. We know that there is absolute communication with Adam and Eve. I want to talk now, sin has happened And now here we are in Genesis chapter 4 and verse 25. And it says this, And Adam knew his wife again, keeping it PG, and she bore a son and named him Seth. For God has appointed another seed for me instead of Abel, whom Cain killed. If you don't know the story, Adam and Eve had two sons, Cain and Abel. In the start of chapter 4, Abel kills Cain and... Uh, Cain, just that was a test and you passed it. Well done. Thank you, Lord. And that was good correction back. Well done. Question everything. Far out. That's when the culture's going too, getting too real. Uh, yeah. Anyway, let's move on. What did I say? Adam killed... What? No. Um, and as for Seth... So, for God has appointed another seed for me instead of Abel, whom Cain killed. And as, it was right there. And as for Seth, to him also a son was born, and he named him Enosh. And men began to call on the name of the Lord. Did you see, see that? I want you to underline that in your Bible. And men began to call on the name of the Lord. And men began to call upon the name of the Lord. And men began, and they began, then men began to call on the name of the Lord. That word begin is a really important theological word because it's starting a new mode of connection. It's like this is a a brand new thing that is happening. And men, then men, began to call upon the name of the Lord. The whole premise of Uh, that book that I read before, Miller suggests that in essence, prayer is calling on the name of the Lord, to call upon the name of the Lord. But you might say, why has it started here? Why now? Why now at this moment in time are we calling on the name of the Lord? Well, we've got to keep reading actually in chapter number five. Let's read from verse one. It says, this is the book of the genealogy of Adam. So if you 
remove the verses and the numbers out of the Bible, which is how it was originally written. You don't stop at verse, you don't stop at the end of chapter four. You keep reading just fluently into this. And so I'm helping you to see that these two things are connected, right? Men began to call on the name of the Lord. There's a statement around Adam and Eve, um, Cain, and, Cain and Abel, that situation's happened. Then men began to call on the name of the Lord. And then it says this, this is the book of the genealogy of Adam. Remember, we've already said that they've had Cain, Cain and Abel are their first kids. In that day, God created man. He made him in the likeness of God. We've got the creation story happening again in Genesis chapter five. He created them male and female. He blessed them and called them mankind, called them, plural, in the day that they were created. And Adam lived 130 years and he begot a son who in his own, uh, sorry, he begot a son in his own likeness after his image. Where's my Bible gone? Is it here? Somewhere here? Somewhere here? There it is. Thank you, man. I didn't have add enough verses. Verse number three. And Adam lived 130 years and he begot a son in his own likeness after his image and he named him Seth. After Seth, he begot, sorry, after he begot Seth and the days of Adam were 800 years and he had some sons and daughters, right? I'm trying to, I wanted to read that little extra verse and I wanted to ask you the question, where the heck in the genealogy of Adam and Eve have Cain and Abel gone? Why aren't they there in this genealogy? And this is the tie-in to men calling upon the name of the Lord. Why we're talking about the purpose of prayer. It is linked to, it is linked to the prophetic word that's spoken in chapter four, verse 25, for God has appointed another seed. When God appointed another seed, a prophetic word was released out of God's mouth. A covenant promise was released from God to the human race, right? And God, as a result of that, what, begin, what happens is Adam and Eve, they bypass one kid's dead, one kid's alive still, right? But they begin, once they have Seth, to call upon the name of the Lord. As they call upon the name of the Lord, it, as they're praying, they're inviting the Lord to fulfill his covenant promise. Let me... Seth means, that's right, Seth means foundation. So when Adam and Eve have Seth, they're saying this is the foundation, this is, this is the start again. And they are looking, they are looking back on what God has already spoken to them. He speaks to the serpent in Genesis chapter three and he says, of your seed, the serpent's head is gonna be crushed and the seed's heel is gonna be bruised. And so they are looking for restoration with God. And so as a result, 
Seth is born, foundation, Enosh is born, his name means mortal, and they are now looking through mankind for the person that is going to restore them back into garden-like relationship with God. And so this first prayer is strongly linked to a prophetic word from God himself, that the woman Eve's seed would crush the devil, the serpent's head. So we begin to see the genesis of prayer The purpose of prayer is calling on the name of the Lord to see his covenantal promises come to pass. Prayer is calling on the name of the Lord to invite him to fulfill his covenant promises through you and I. That's what prayer is. Maybe... See, this is one of the things, just a side note. The church is overly distracted with praying for things that we've stopped praying for God's covenantal promises. We're too busy praying for God, give us a building, rather than praying for, I want to come into alignment with God's purpose, His plan, and I want to pray in God's covenantal promises to come to pass. The church has been distracted from praying for those things that God, listen, are you ready for this? You've been distracted praying for things that God's actually already given you. That's not a blab it and grab it type of weird prosperity gospel type of preaching thing. That's just the truth that the finished work of Jesus, the Bible says that Jesus has sat down at the right hand of the Father and it's a picture that Jesus has no more work to do. The work now is outworking what, what Jesus through the death, burial and resurrection has made available to us. And so for some of us, the reason why prayer isn't coming to pass is because it's not in line with God's purpose. Are you still there this morning? It's not in line with God's purpose. Now, God's good, isn't he? Like God, God blesses us with stuff and houses and shelter and food and, and a husband or a wife or... or Children or he does a lot of things. But if we apply the success of our prayer to the things that we have in this life in the context of some of those things, we're already kind of taking the trajectory of our prayer into a place that revolves around us, not around what God wants to do. Covenantal relationship, the promises of God. And so prayer is a partnership with God. Prayer is a partnership with God. Can we bring, did you manage to get that big list? So let's look at some of the things that we get to partner with God in. I did this last night. You ready for this? Absolute preacher hack. Chat GBT. Do you know what chat GBT is? It's artificial intelligence. Oh, no, someone said. (laughs) Beep, boop. No, robots are going to come out. But I just wrote into ChatGPT, you can use Google. It's pretty much the same thing. Don't get too scared. But what about privacy? You've got a phone. They're listening to your calls. It's all good. Let's move on. (laughs) It's all good. (laughs) 
people are getting triggered right now. You did this on ChatGPT? Where's the revelation of the Lord? Someone did it for me. It's all good. Just relax. So what are we partnering with God in prayer? I'm purposely mentioning ChatGPT as well because I want you to realize that some things are actually pretty easy to access if you're curious enough to go searching for them. You'll find some really good truths. So salvation is a covenantal promise from God that we get to partner with him in prayer. And when we pray around it, salvation through faith in Jesus Christ, we are promised forgiveness of sins and eternal life. Thank you, ChatGPT. More importantly, thank you, Jesus. Why? Because it's a promise of God. And so when you maybe you're a new believer, maybe you're new to Christianity, once you believe in Jesus and you were born again, okay, you are saved. Once you have a belief in God, fantastic. I'm not preaching once saved, always saved. I'm not doing that whole thing. But I'm wanting to put your mind at ease so you don't overthink yourself out of the kingdom of God. Jesus' work, you've got the, the, this is a problem. This is why your mind needs to be renewed because you've got more confidence in your sinful nature than you do in the finished work of Jesus. You think your sin is more powerful to keep, oh, I sinned and I've got to do this. No, you've just got to come back to God and say, God, I thank you that because of the finished work of Jesus, I'm saved. Let's keep going. New birth, that's the same. Let's keep going. You're adopted into God's family. If you're feeling alone, if you're feeling lonely, one of the things that Jesus made a way for us to be a part of is his spiritual family. Next slide, please, guys. We have peace. How many of you this year have gone through a thing yeah, you might want to take some photos I'll make sure I've got my right bicep arm up um, <laughs> this is so much fun um, but there's peace, peace is a promise peace is a part of the covenantal relationship so what does that mean for us? that means whenever you're not feeling peace and you're feeling an anxious you've got to come back to a place where you're saying Lord actually you're the prince of peace and I am your kid and so I'm coming under the covering of what you and who you are in your identity, which is peace, provision and care, guidance, transformation. Oh, I just can't change. Well, you might not be able to change, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, as you yield those areas of your life that you can't change, there's a covenantal promise in 2 Corinthians chapter 3.18 and Romans 9.29 that you can change, that God, through the working of His Spirit, the inside out, the change, listen to me, the change might not happen the way that you want it to happen. It's not transactional Christianity. It's transformational gospel. It's not like I come to the front and every time I come to the front, it's some transactions happen and I've left that bad habit and gone back to my seat and now I'm good. Life doesn't work like that. Neither does following Jesus. Sometimes it's a journey. Sometimes it's an ongoing thing where actually the work of the deep work that the Spirit wants to do inside of you is to continue to trust Him even when the circumstances don't change like you believe they should. Let's keep going to the next one. We've got so many of these. I'm not going to preach about them. Just go through them. Uh, intercession, eternal life, forgiveness, 
the Holy Spirit. Keep going, please. We've got this 30. Access to God, strength in weakness, comfort, unity, spiritual gifts, victory. You get the point. They can just put them up every couple of minutes. You can go and just flip through the next one so people can take their photos. But I want you to see today that when we, prayer is intrinsically connected to God's covenant relationship. And so sometimes we're praying, but we're actually praying our plan, not God's purpose. Can we talk about that for a moment? Because I reckon I've been in times in my life, many times, where I, I find it difficult due to my own humanity and the things that I want, <laughs> things that I think I need, that I pray these prayers and I find it really hard to discern because I'm a broken human. I find it really difficult to, to, to discern the difference between my plan and his purpose. Anyone else like that? Like, surely God wants me to have the bigger house. Surely God wants me to increase in my this or that. I've got to look after my family, Lord. You know? And so the consumerism goes on. And as I said, whilst God blesses us with those things, we've got to be mindful that sometimes our plans and his purpose are two different things. And so we've got to not get distracted. In fact, we've got to have a strong commitment to coming in line with God's purpose. Lord, what, do you, what have you said about what you believe this nation can be? Who have you said, you know, part of our problem is we've put our destiny in the box of, of doing, right, and achieving because our society is anchored that way. So then we come into our relationship with God and prayer and all, it's, it, all, of, all of our praying is tethered to this idea of performance because we think success is doing for God. But whenever I, when, the opportunities that I've had over the years and even of recent times in talking and discipling and counselling people, I've discovered that the doing is not the problem. The being, the who are you. One of the most radical prayers that you and I can pray is, Lord, make me into your image. And not have a transactional thought about that, have a transformational thought about that. And if you're someone that struggles with uh, patience and you're saying, Lord, make me into your image. If you're someone that struggles with materialism, you're saying, Lord, help me in that way. Let him help you. But we're so hooked on this idea of what do I need to do for God? Well, I reckon 
The doing needs to flow out of this deep sense of identity in who Jesus has called us to be. The purpose of prayer. The purpose of prayer is for us to come into agreement with God's covenantal relationships. And we get this wonderful opportunity to pray and to see those things come to pass on the earth. I'm going to do a teaching about that a little bit in, in more depth um, in the next couple of weeks online because I don't have time to go through it today. But it's important for us to understand that prayer is a result of God establishing authority and structure between heaven and earth. Like, so why do we pray? We pray because we want to see covenantal relation, uh, promises come to pass. But why? Because God actually designated authority on the earth to us. Through sin, I told you I wouldn't give it, I'll just give you a quick synopsis. But through sin, we gave that to what the Bible now says is the prince of this earth, the enemy. Through the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus, that was taken back. And now it's our opportunity to appropriate and to uh, have Eden-like authority in this world. Number... Uh, that's the purpose of prayer. Let's quickly talk about the place of prayer and then we'll bring it home. I won't spend as long on these ones, don't worry. The place of prayer. The place of prayer. Again, just as I was talking, my segue into this point was about the place of prayer. I'm not talking about a physical place. I'm talking about a place in your identity that you pray out of. Do you pray out of a sin consciousness or do you pray out of a righteous consciousness? Do you pray, is the the place that you're praying from, are you praying from a place affected by sin or affected by Jesus? So we approach God in the context of what we believe about Him. So are we approaching God from the place that sin has dominion over us or or are we approaching God in prayer through the place of the finished work of Jesus and I want to encourage you today and maybe invite you is probably more the better word I want to invite you to wrestle with some of those ideas because if you're approaching God as an orphan that's problematic to your prayer But if you're approaching like God, why? Because orphans come begging. Sons and daughters come in a different way to what an orphan would come. And so that's why we are born again into the kingdom of God. Because we all now, Romans tells us, we now have access. As sons of God, that you and I are the righteousness of God. You've got to put a full stop on that. You are the righteousness of God. Even Paul in Romans chapter 6, 7 and 8 wrestles with this idea of the sinful nature that's inside of him. He counts it as this weird separate thing inside of him that he is wrestling with. He says, why do I do the things I don't want to do? And the things I do want to do, I don't do those things. Then he goes on to say that that's not actually me, that's actually my sinful nature. 
And the point is for us, the place of prayer that we access and we have access and we have a passport that we can get into the presence of God and pray and God hear our prayers is that place of prayer knowing that we are the righteousness of God and that we can pray from that place. When we pray from that place, I want to give you three things that happen. Calv, jump up and then I'm going to finish. The purpose of prayer, the place of prayer, the priority of prayer. There are three things that happen as a result of being in that place of prayer. Number one, authentication happens in the place of prayer. Authentication. What I really sense God wants to do right now through this season of prayer as a church is I really believe that he wants to, um, there's going to be a whole lot of calling that's going to happen. Calling. It's going to be a whole lot of calling that God's going to, God's going to start speaking. There's calling. When the Father authenticates, are you still there? I know you're there in body. I need to go back to the jokes. Oh, the keyboard, that'll wake you up. So much more spiritual now. Just keeping it real. The keyboard is good. It's a biblical thing. I'll be t- preaching on that at the prayer retreat. Are you going to be there, Calf? Any keyboarders is going to be there? No, no. In that place of prayer, authentication. This is what it says in Luke chapter 3, 21, 22. It says, Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized. I'd missed this for so long. Right? Jesus also had, everyone say had. He had been baptized and was praying. Didn't happen in the water where he came up. Happened after he was baptized and was, he was in the place of prayer. The heavens were open and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove and a voice came from heaven, you're my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. The waters of baptism were not still, he wasn't rubbing his eye to try to get some of that Jordan River off his brow. He was praying. And in that place of prayer, the Father's voice came and He authenticated. There was an authentication. There was a release of this is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. Notice the authentication isn't like this is my son. He's going to fill stadiums. He's going to have a mega church. He's going to do all these miracles. This is what's going to happen. He's going to pray and demons are going to come out. He's going to do, 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 do. It says the Spirit came upon him and a voice came from heaven and said, this is my son. The place of prayer brings about authentication. What does it identify? It identifies your identity. It reveals your identity. The place of prayer brings authentication. It also brings ministration. 
before He chooses the disciples, Jesus spends the whole night in prayer. Luke 6, 12 and 13 says, and these days He he went out to the mountain to pray. Did you hear that? And in these days, in these days, plural, He went out to the mountain to pray. And all night He continued in prayer to God. And when day came, He called the disciples and chose from them 12 whom He named apostles. So there's a release that happens when you pray. There's so much I want to say because there, there are realms of prayer. There are some realms of prayer and I'm just, I'm not qualified to talk about. Because there's a depth in prayer. There's a depth in prayer. There's deep places in prayer and communion with God that God wants to take you. God wants to bring you to new places in prayer. And remember, you don't get there from, it's not a striving thing. It's a being thing. But you've got to go to that place of prayer. There is no substitute for not putting time aside and saying, God, here I am in prayer. And you do what you need to do. Like some of you that's walking around the woods, you're a nature person. Some of you, it's down the beach. Some of you, it's in a room closed. Some of you, like I grew up full old school Penty, right? So for me, it's like as loud as I possibly can have praise and worship going. (laughs) Pacing up and down the front of a church building, speaking in the spirit. You know what I'm talking about? Can I get a witness? You do you. For some of you, it's silence. The third thing that happens in the places of prayer is transfiguration. Luke 9, 28 says this. Now about eight days after after these sayings, he took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. Can I tell you that that word number, that number eight in biblical numerology is, is the number for new beginnings. So Jesus senses in his spirit, that's why the gospel authors put it in there, that there's something new about to take place, about to birth something new. So he goes to the place of prayer, he goes up to this mountain and, and as he was praying, as he was praying, the appearance of his face was altered. That's a place of prayer I can't talk about. And his clothing became dazzling white. Some things in your life, listen to me, the reason why you haven't had the change, you haven't had this or that, I'm not trying to talk works here, but I am just getting real about prayer. Some things won't happen that you want to happen without you going into that place of prayer. The transfiguration of Jesus would not have happened the Bible, without that place of prayer. The Bible says, and as he prayed, as he prayed. 
there are miracles in that place of prayer. And so we're inviting you. I want to lay that foundation of you understanding prayer, the essence of it, of us coming into agreement with what God wants for us. His purposes, not always our plans. Get to that place of prayer for authentication, for transfiguration. And the priority of prayer is that in our hearts, we as the church must prioritise prayer. I said it at the very start, Mark eleven seventeen. Jesus said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. Prayer is important. We should never be ashamed to pray as Christians. We cannot abdicate prayer to the more prayerful people. That's like trying to ask your best friend to breathe on your behalf. You and I must pray for ourselves. My wife's the praying one. Uh Uh-uh. We are a praying people. And prayer must sit at the top of our priority list. Now, you know what we could do in this moment? We could, we could, we could say, so on every night this week, we're going to be having a prayer meeting. Why don't you come along? You know the good preaching tactics. <laughs> I'm not inviting you to a corporate prayer meeting. I'm inviting you to become a person of prayer that understands the value of prayer. Gone are the days where we just want to put events on and call them something spiritual. The Asprey revival that just took place in America of non-stop 24-7 worship for, for about 10 weeks, maybe three months, didn't happen because someone decided to put on a meeting. It happened because there was an overflow out of someone that just decided to stay and linger and pray and worship. We're not wanting through this month of prayer to manufacture a little thing of prayer to make us feel really good. Like, wow, that was, yeah, we had all this prayer. Prayer's, all this prayer is good. I'm trying to say it's good. But I'm also trying to say the most important thing that you can take away from this is you making a priority to pray. I don't know how to pray. Ask ChatGPT. Just seeing if you're awake. That's not biblical, by the way. There's lots of tools. There's friends, there's community, there's family, there's e-connects, there's leaders, there's pastors. There's a whole lot of people that we would love for you to connect with and learn to pray if you don't know how to pray. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Too good. Appreciate your patience this morning. I felt like I needed to get that get that out.
Awesome. Uh, so, in a moment, Calv's just going to keep playing. We're just going to allow the room to, if you want to linger and if you want to pray, you can do so. Some people are going to go. You can get your kids from eKids. You can go and grab a coffee if you want. The service will be officially over and um, you do what you need to do. Um, a few quick things before that happens. Sorry, I'm just going to steal your thunder here. You have, um, if you're visiting and you want to connect, there's QR codes all around the place. You can head to our website. Best thing to do is just to talk to someone about how do I get more information about um, Empower, the community, everything that's happening, and uh, we will make that available. If you are a part of our church family, um, thank you so much for your generosity and your giving. We don't take up an offering where we pass the buckets down the aisle. There is a giving station out there where there's FPOS. You can give online. You can give by cash. Old school check if you want to do that. Um, but most people just uh, give online. So we just want to say thank you for doing that. Really appreciate your generosity in that way. And uh, we have a prayer. No, we don't have. We have our young adults retreat coming up pretty soon. So if you're the... In, the age of you've graduated school and anywhere up till probably 45 or 50. I don't know what it is these days. I look around at some of the young adults and I'm like, oh, I'm on to you, mate. Um, but it's going to be a really, really great weekend. If you're interested in connecting with our crew, Seebeck and Isaac, that's on the 16th to the 18th of June at Elkana again, which is in beautiful Marysville. It's going to be a powerful time. Anytime we gather like that, if it kind of, fits you the demographically to be there, try and get out there because they're absolutely incredible times and the Young Adults Retreat will be no different. And um, I believe that's everything. Awesome. Next Sunday, we're going to be having communion together um, as well as everything else we do. Love to see you there. Thank you so much for coming along. Our prayer team are going to come. If you want prayer, if you just want to sit and pray, you go ahead and do that. But God bless you.